Hey, good morning. How are we doing? Yeah, y'all look good this morning. Hey, welcome. So glad that y'all are here at Eastgate Church today. It's good to see some familiar faces here. I think half of the country has gone to the beach over the last couple of weeks, so beware of the picture of the hot dog legs. It is coming. It is coming. Everybody watching online, thank you for tuning in and joining us. If you would, hit the like button and the share button so that we can reach as many people as we possibly can. And you guys in-house, feel free to do that as well. Don't forget to check in on social media so people know where you're at. If you hop online, they'll watch the volume on that phone. Uh, we don't want to hear that crazy echo. Hearing me once is enough, right? Amen. <laughs> hey, are y'all excited? Yeah, I am so excited about what God is doing in this church. I'm so excited about what he's doing in my life. I'm more excited about what he's going to do today. So I'm going to just go ahead and just about get ready to dive into this word. Let me tell you, if you've got a, a kid of camp age, whether it's to youth camp or kids camp, make sure you get them there. Listen, money is not a reason to not send your kid. Okay. Listen, we say that because we've got people that will sponsor. If you, don't have, if you don't have a way to get them there, we will help you get them there. If a kid wants to go to camp, we want to make sure that they get to camp. Why? Because God is going to transform and change their lives there. Man, that's good. That is a good, fertile ground to sow some seed into right there. Um, let me encourage you, too, the end of this month, uh, Memorial Day weekend, Women of Valor graduation. That's going to be awesome. Can't wait for that. Well, I'm a man. I ain't got for women. You better be here, Jack. You better be here for Women of Valor graduation. Support these ladies. And uh, don't forget, now this is just icing on the cake. We're having a cookout after that service. If you know anything about Eastgate Church, you know we know how to eat food, okay, to the glory of God himself. I'm just saying. But we're going to have some good groceries, so uh, it's going to be a great day to invite people. Uh, we're just going to hang out and have fun as a family and, uh, and see what the Lord does in the service that day. Uh, look at the person next to you and say, hey, you better wake up. All right. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and, and open them up. I'm not going to tell you where to go just yet. Just get them ready. Stretch your fingers. Stretch your fingers and get them ready. Get ready to swipe and tap on the phones and tablets if you want to. All the notes for today's message are available on the version, the Bible app. They'll be on the screens as well. And uh, that way you guys at home can follow along pretty easy with what is going on today. We're continuing our series on the church. The church defined, listen, not defined by our opinion or our preference or our traditions even, but as defined by Jesus himself in scripture. Amen? We want to make sure we get this thing right. You know, because if I say, hey, do you want to go to church to most people, they're immediately going to go to what their past experience and perception of church is. And a lot of people think that church is something that you go to on Sundays or Wednesdays. That is a gathering of the church, but that is not church. You understand that? Okay, we are the church. Everybody say, we are the church. We are the church. And even that word church to a lot of people doesn't carry the weight that it should according to Scripture. That word church that Jesus uses uh, when he says, upon this rock, I will establish my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When he establishes a church, he uses a word called ecclesia. Now, you guys who were here a couple of weeks ago, you probably remember this, but just in case you forgot, because there's been a lot of life between then and now, let me remind you, ecclesia 
was a governmental term used in the day. It was a term used to describe a group of people set apart to represent the governing authority. The emperor or the king or the Caesar in the area would have an ecclesia or governmental group that would make sure that the laws from the, the kingdom were applied to the area, that they operated with the same authority and power as the emperor or the king himself. They represented him in that area or that region. Jesus uses that same term to describe us as his church, as representatives of his authority, of his power, and his will on this earth. So while he is sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven, interceding for you and me, we are the agents of representation of him and his kingdom on this earth. Amen? Okay, so, so that's what we're called to be as his church. Church is not something that you attend. Church is something that you are. His ecclesia, if you are in Christ, you are his church. I said this before and I'll say it again. It's possible to be in church and not be in Christ. Okay? But if you're in Christ, you are going to be in his church and be connected to what he's doing through the church on a local and international level. The two are not, you cannot separate them. You can't say, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. You can't say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not part of a church. As a child of God, you are the church. And he encourages us, no, he commands us to gather together like this so that we can reap the benefit of interaction with one another, but get together to get those marching orders so that we can come together collectively as his body to reach our community for Jesus. And that's what um, this stuff is all about. And, and in thinking of all of that, we as a church want to make sure that we're lining up with Jesus' big picture of what the capital C church should look like. You got the capital C church, his church, but that's represented in little c churches like us and other churches around the area that are doing our part to reach who we can for Jesus. But as far as the Eastgate Church goes, we want to be known, and I believe all of this reflects scripture, uh, we want to be known as a church where religion dies. We want to be known as a church where religion dies. Every move of God is always hindered by religious people always hindered by religious people. Jesus' number one opponent, hey, it wasn't Satan. He kicked Satan all over the place. You know what he had the most trouble with? Religious-minded people. So we want to be a place where that dies. We don't want to do religion. We want to do real. We want to do relationship with Jesus at our church. We want to be a church where no one walks alone. Amen? We want to be a church where no one walks alone. We want to be a church where we can say, my ceiling becomes your floor. So that my experience and my benefit, or my experience and what I've walked through in life can benefit you so you don't have to go through what I went through. You don't have to make the same mistakes. I want your starting point to be where I'm at right now. I want my ceiling to be your floor. That's called discipleship. And we want to be a church where the power of God transforms lives. We don't want to be a glorified country club or a social gathering, we want to make sure that we're operating in the power of God because he is the one that changes lives from the inside out. Amen? So let's talk a little bit about this concept of no one walking alone. 
Everyone say, no one walks alone. Now, that's a great saying, and it's easy to remember, and that's one, I mean, if you, if you walk around our church, if you're a guest here, in any amount of time, you're going to hear eventually someone say this, because it's part of the core of who we are as a church. We believe that we're a church where no one walks alone. We believe that the body is supposed to be the body, and we're supposed to support one another. And Jesus's concept of church is not just, not just to be a gathering of believers to impact and change the world, but we're also to gather together to encourage one another, to build each other up, to correct one another, to come alongside one another, to make sure that we're not doing life by ourselves or fighting the enemy on our own. I know we fight with Jesus, but there's a ton of scripture that says we're supposed to walk with each other through these seasons of life. Amen? Okay, God has not called anyone to be an island unto themselves. You can't do that and participate in his body. You have to be connected. You have to be connected. Romans chapter 12 um, is a good launching point from this. Uh, Romans 12, 5 says, So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. Everybody say many parts of one body. We're many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. We are many parts of one body. Have you ever thought about what part of the body we are? You might be sitting next to a toe this morning. You might be sitting next to uh, a thumb. You might be sitting next to a nose. You might be, I'm, I'm having fun with you, but we are all part of the body. Listen, in the kingdom of God as his church, we are all part of the body and we all have a part in the body. Okay? So we're not just connected, we have a part to play in this thing called church. We have, a, we have a calling, we have an assignment, just like every part of our body has a function, we have a function in the greater body of Christ, amen? So if we're called together to be the body, and we're a part, many parts of one body, we all belong to each other, um, this is where people go a step further and say, as the body of Christ, we are really spiritual family. We're spiritual family. Hey, we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. We are adopted children of God, grafted in to that line through Christ Jesus, through that grace that's there, through the work that Jesus did on the cross. Okay, so we're all a part of that. Okay, so we are all connected together as one big family. Everybody say, we're family. We're going to be together for a long, 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 long time, guys. A long, 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 long time. Eternity. That's a long time. That's a long time. We better learn how to get along with each other. You know what I mean? We, we better learn how to appreciate each other. Okay, because I don't know if I'm going to live on this side of heaven, and all the people I don't like are going to live on the other side of heaven. I'm not sure it works that way. You understand? As a body, we got to be all together. This is what I know. It's what I know. If, if we are the family, the body of Christ, every, y'all can, probably, y'all can probably relate to this, every family's a little bit dysfunctional. Just a little bit. <laughs> I expected a bigger amen than that. Let me say it again. Every family's just a little bit dysfunctional. Yeah. Right? Now, when you stop thinking about us, think about your family for a minute. Okay, is it perfect? Is it perfect? I mean, there's a little bit of dysfunction. I'll be honest with you. I don't trust people that are too perfect. 
You know what I mean? I don't trust families that are just like perfect, perfect. There's a little bit of dysfunction in there. Um, not that I'm saying we can't all strive to please God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, hey, he made us the way that we are, and we're a little bit quirky, you know? And there's just always, it seems to be, that, that dysfunctional uncle or cousin or there's an aunt or an uncle or a mama or a daddy, whatever it is, every time the family gets together, you know they're going to bring the crazy with them. Yeah, and if you're struggling to figure out who that is in your family, let me let me set you free today because that probably could be you. <laughs> if you can't put a face on it, you might be the face that's on it, and that's okay too because we all got stuff that we're working through. Just a little bit of freedom for you today, uh, but we're all family. We're all family, but this is what I know: we're not all cookie cutter the same. We have preferences. We have things that make us uniquely us. God created us to be uniquely us with the gifts and the talents, the resources that we have to contribute as our part of his greater body. None of us are really the same. We serve the same God. We may have similarities, but we are not the same. We are uniquely created in his image individually. And because of that... We have different preferences sometimes, and sometimes that dysfunction and that difference in the family can cause friction. Can you believe that there are actually people that put pineapple on pizza? I just don't. Wait, let me, hold on a second. I feel like something just turned against me here. If you put pineapple on pizza, let me see your hand. Oh, my Lord. Look at what has in faith. It is. They're all Georgia fans. What in the world? See? I don't think that's how pizza works, but it's just, that's, that's my preference, though. You like pineapple. I don't understand that. Um, some people like New York-style pizza. Some people like thin crust pizza, thick crust pizza. Some people like deep dish Chicago-style pizza. I love that stuff, but you can't eat too much of that, like one or two slices, and you're done with that stuff. Um, it's just preferences here. I get it. People like different football teams. I mean, if I say Alabama, roll tide. Gonna happen. If I say Georgia, Woo! yeah. Two of us beat out all them. I just That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You know, there's just difference of opinions. If I say Falcons, Falcons, <laughs> look, we're we're all a little hurt. We're all a little hurt right now, right? Do it next year. We're all a little hurt right now. We feel betrayed by what's happened. I get it. I get it. But if I say Braves. Then everybody, yeah, I was having a conversation with a guy the other day, and I was trying to find some common ground with him. I was like, you, you like sports? And he's like, yeah, I like some sports. I played some in high school. I was like, oh, this isn't going to be good. So you, you like football? Yeah, I kind of watch it. You like baseball? Yeah, man, I love baseball. I like the Braves. Man, what do you think they're going to do to follow up last year? Uh, I hope they have a, a good season. You think they had a pretty good year last year? Yeah. I think so. Winning the World Series wasn't a good year for, for your teams. I just, it's obvious, like I called him, he had no idea what he was talking about. People like different teams. People like food different. Okay, people like steak different. Some people like steak rare. Some people like steak medium rare. Me, I'm more of a medium guy. Like I just, I don't do the medium, I can do medium rare, but I'm more medium. I don't understand well done. I don't understand well done. I had someone tell me one time, I love my steak well done with ketchup. 
that's called a hamburger. That's not called steak. You know what I mean? That's not how steak works. That's just, I mean, if we could, I could divide the house and we could almost start a civil war over coffee. You know what I mean? It's like, give me, what, what color do you like your coffee? You use a straight black or you like a little bit of cream, a lot of cream, a whole lot of cream and sugar with just a little bit of coffee in it, you know? Like I, I love my coffee black. I just take it straight black. Sometimes with just a little bit of cream if it's real strong, but no sugar or anything like that. How many of y'all like candy coffee? Just a lot of, lot of sugar, a lot of cream, a lot of, it's more like a dessert than it is coffee. Yeah. See, I think after you leave the black coffee, that's just not how coffee works anymore. I think black is the way to go. I think it's great. People disagree with me. Opinions and preferences, opinion and preferences. What we got to make sure of is that our opinions and preferences on things as we come together as a body do not divide us, okay? We're created the way that we are to fill the unique gap that we have in the kingdom of God, all right? Um, Political preferences should not divide, should not divide a church, and I said, well, I just got real awkward in here, didn't it? No, it didn't. It got real awkward. Political preferences should not divide a church if we're focused on reaching the world for Jesus, okay? If we're all focused on Jesus, check this out. We all eventually are going to line up with Jesus, okay? So what I'm not going to do is knock the legs out of somebody who might not be there yet, but I'm going to give them space and time to grow into how the Bible says to live their lives. Now, I'm not saying that we're, we're pushovers, that we don't stand up for what we believe. I'm not saying that at all, okay? But there's a difference between um, promoting a message outside the church and attacking somebody else inside the church. Big difference. So those things should not divide us. Different preferences shouldn't divide us. We, more often than not, get caught up in petty disagreements in the church. And I say all that to say we can't be a church we can't be a church where we say no one walks alone, where we're, we watch each other's backs if there are pockets of people in the church that we can't stand to be around. See how I snuck that one in on you? Okay, see, we, we can't say that. If we're a church where no one walks alone, then regardless of preferences, regardless of differences, regardless of that, listen, Jesus hung out with some shady people and still let them to, to his father, amen? He never compromised the message, but he led them to his father. That's what we're supposed to do, not focus on differences. And what happens is when we get petty like that, the enemy just smells the blood in the water. If he can keep us distracted with our differences and keep us distracted with offenses and unforgiveness and fill in the blank, whatever it is, then what are we not doing? We're not reaching our community, are we? We're not being what God has called the church to be, you know? So he wants to keep us distracted because when we're distracted, we are less likely to see what he's doing in our lives. When we're distracted, we're less likely to see what he's doing in a ministry or in the church. When we're distracted, we're less likely to see those people at work and going down the streets that we could be ministering to because we're focused on the conflict. Have y'all seen the video that was floating around on YouTube where the two gazelles were fighting each other and they never saw the lion coming in to attack them? 
Y'all ever see that? I brought it today, and I want to show it to you. This is amazing. This is exactly how the enemy works when we are distracted with each other. They can see already. They're button heads. We see a fight. Here comes the lion. Watch the rest of the herd. They're gone. <laughs> they don't even see him. They don't care. Just wait, just wait. Just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. Boom. Oh my God. It's over. It's over. Isn't that crazy? That is exactly what the enemy does when we are focused on differences instead of focused on the mission. He takes us out. Now, I could ask for a show of hands and say, how many of y'all have ever seen that happen in, in a group or a couple of people's lives? As a pastor, I see it way too often, and I want to encourage you. Listen, if you're in a situation right now where you're like those two gazelles locked up with somebody else, me encourage you, break off of that, resolve the conflict, okay? Resolve the conflict, fix the situation, operate in forgiveness, and recognize what the enemy is doing. He loves to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus operates in unity and in peace. God moves at the pace of peace. Okay, so if you're in a situation that's not bearing the fruit of Scripture, get it right. Get it right so you don't get taken out by the enemy. So he's called us to be together, not just to gather together, but to be together as his body so that we can actually make statements like no one walks alone. So what does no one walking alone look like? Oh, well, it looks like a lot. Look at Colossians chapter 3. I want to ride this wave just a little bit longer on interaction with one another because I'm telling you 99% of us being effective as a church is dictated by how well we operate in unity. Okay? Close to God. After that, operating in unity. Colossians 3, 13, it says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. I love this passage of scripture. I love how real the Bible is. I love how real it is. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. You know what he's saying? He's saying, just go ahead and budget for it because it's probably going to happen. Each other's faults. He didn't say, uh, make allowance for everybody else's issues and faults. He said, each other's. So he said, it's just going to be a given that while we're together, the temptation is going to be there for us to get sideways with one another. Odds are we are going to say or do something at some point that is going to hurt or offend another person. Okay? Doesn't mean that it has to happen, but odds are it's probably going to happen because we live in this stuff called flesh, and sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we don't operate the way that we should. Sometimes we have bad days, and that doesn't mean that that gives us an exemption from living up to the standard of what the Bible says, but sometimes we miss the mark. Okay, and we got to ask for forgiveness and need to have some things restored and worked out and, and all of that stuff. Listen, make allowance for it. In your budget at home, you probably got the light bills covered, the water bill covered. If you've got gas that you use, that's covered. Uh, gas for your vehicle is good luck budgeting that right now. God be with us all. <laughs> it's through the roof right now. But, but all of those expenses, diapers, clothes for the kids, you a lot for all of that stuff, groceries, because you got to eat sometime, 
So we allot for those things, but it's the unexpected things that happen that destroy budgets all the time. What he's saying here is a lot for the unexpected in relationships. Just know that it could happen and have an allowance for it so that when it does happen, you say, you know what? I was expecting something like this to happen. I'm going to operate above it and not get caught up in it. I love this. And he says, forgive anyone who offends you. He didn't say forgive most people. Just forgive anyone. Now listen, that doesn't mean that you have to restore the relationship. It just means that you operate in forgiveness. There's a difference. Okay? You don't have to restore toxic relationships. But you do have to forgive those people. And he says, remember, I love this. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Oh, I love it. Just remember how jacked up you were when Jesus died on the cross for you, so throw a little bit of grace towards each other. So in operating with each other, we've got to extend that grace because we're not just called to be together and gathering, but we're called to be together as a body of believers. Not factioned out in different groups, but together as a body of believers. Um, The Bible says a whole lot more about us interacting with one another in Hebrews Hebrews 13, or Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. It says, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. He says this twice just in case you didn't get it. So he says, encourage each other daily as long as it's called today. What do you think he's trying to say there? Every day, encourage somebody. Encourage one another. Speak life over somebody. But here's, here is the deal. Here's why we do that. We do that so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We encourage one another. We build each other up, okay? To, as, and in Scripture, is set up as a safeguard to keep one another from falling into sin, to keep us out of bad situations. Man, I've had times in my life where I was about to make a bad decision and a phone call from somebody completely changed the course of my day because they spoke life over me. I come through the doors of the church sometimes, and I'm, you ever have one of those decision days? You know what I mean? Where things aren't exactly going right, and you're choosing how you're going to respond to the situations and letting, instead of letting them control what's happening. So I'm having those decision days, and somebody comes in and just talks nice to me and says something nice to me and just speaks life over me, and it changes everything, you know, encouraging one another. Daily, while it's still today. Here's another one with interaction to one another. Uh, Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We're supposed to sharpen each other. Not just encourage each other to keep ourselves out of situations as a safeguard, but to sharpen one another to make ourselves better when we're together. We should feel, we should feel sharpened after we leave each other's presence to build each other up. In a way, we're kind of like many coaches serving under the great coach as we interact with one another. You know, how many of y'all watch MMA? I love watching MMA, mixed martial arts. People just squaring off in the ring and just, just um, competing with the discipline of martial arts. I love watching that. 
I used to like watching boxing a lot, but boxing's turned into dancing more than boxing here lately. So, so I just like, you know, the mixed martial arts. You may not like it. That's your thing. I love martial arts, though. And so um, when you watch the fights, see the guy squaring up in the ring, every fighter has got somebody in their corner. Every fighter has got somebody in their corner. Usually a whole team of people got different tasks and jobs, and the job is to make sure that that person is the most effective that they can be when they're in the ring. Listen, when we're in the ring of life, we need each other in each other's corners to help make sure that we're being effective and not getting beat up by life itself. Okay? We're called to do that. And, and you see the fight starts and they're all in there, hey, you know, you got them, you got this. And then eventually it turns into, as it, the fight goes and they get tired, keep your left up, keep your left up, keep your left up. Okay, when they get over to the corner, he's going to step in, step back, hit them with an uppercut. They're going to coach along the way to give them keys and pointers to show them things that they can't see themselves while they're in the ring. You know, sometimes you get in situations and face little seasons of life where you can't see necessarily all the stuff that's happening. And so perspective from a godly counsel that you can trust, that you know has your best interest at heart, Man, that can make a huge difference in how effective we are for the kingdom of God. And I was thinking about it. I was like, man, it would be awesome to have the right people in your corner. Just to have the perfect person in your corner would be even better. And I can't think of anybody better to have in your corner than Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi would be the one. Y'all know Mr. Miyagi when I say Mr. Miyagi? Oh, my goodness. Miyagi could just, he, he was amazing. He could teach you without you knowing you were being taught. Wax on, wax off, sand the floor, paint the fence, and all this stuff. It would be cool if you had Miyagi with you all the time. Like Miyagi in the pocket. I mean, it'd be awesome. You just have Miyagi in the pocket, carry with you all the time. So if you were in a situation at work where somebody was just rubbing you the, the wrong way and you were just about to let them, let them have it, uh, you hear something rustling in your pocket. Ah, da, 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 da. Pull him out. Josh, a son. What Bible say? Mm, Bible says that uh, I'm supposed to bear with one another and extend grace and love and forgiveness to people. That even means people that aren't part of the body of Christ. Ah, very good. Very good, Josh, a son. Okay, cool. Yagi in the pocket. It would save a lot of trouble, man. Wouldn't it be awesome if you're driving down the road and people do what they do in Atlanta traffic? What are you? What Bible say? Love is patient. Love is kind. Very good. Very good. You just had a Miyagi in the pocket. It would be awesome. It would be awesome. Here's the deal. God has called all of us to be each other's Miyagi in the pocket. It'll be fun as all get out. So if we see each other stepping out of line, we can just go, ah, da, 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 da. <laughs> What Bible say, you know? <laughs> that would be hilarious. But Miyagi in the pocket, we're supposed to be there to coach and encourage and, and, and make sure that we're there to keep each other accountable. Another thing that we do for each other is in Galatians chapter 2, says that we're to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, 
fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. I said it earlier and I'll say it again. No one should be an island. No one should be an island in the kingdom of God. In fact, you're not going to live long that way. Um, to carry each other's burdens means that we actually share the weight with one another. Now, it's your burden. It's your season that you're walking through. I can't carry all the weight for you. But what I can do is come alongside you and support you with prayer and encourage you and give you scripture and make sure that you're okay, help you out if you need help, come cut your grass if you can't get around physically. I mean, I can be there to help carry the load. We can carry the load for one another. Amen? I think this is something that our church does really well. When we say here that at Eastgate no one walks alone, we're, I, I really feel like this is one of the stronger areas of our church. We do look out for each other. We do bear one another's burdens. I'm not saying we're perfect at it. Uh, I'm not saying we get it right every time. But the heart and the intent is there. And you see a lot of fruit. I see a lot of things happen behind the scenes that a lot of people don't get to see. I see the cars that are given to people that need transportation. I see people stepping up to give people rides to work because their car is in the shop. I see people... Uh, coming together and throwing together grocery money to help out somebody that's short on resources and they got kids that are hungry, people buying clothes for, for children. I see all of this stuff happen. And I think it's one of the most beautiful things ever because that's how the body of Christ is supposed to look. And we had someone uh, a couple of months ago that had trees down in their yard and they weren't able to physically get them removed and they were about to get tickets for the trees sitting on their property, and I didn't even know that was happening, but I knew there was a need because my phone started blowing up. As soon as they posted that they needed help, people, I mean, they blew up my phone. Hey, Pastor Josh, there's a need over here. What do you think if we get a few guys together and we do this? Hey, that looks great. And that, that sounds great. And then I get a phone call. Hey, I saw this post over here. I've already got a few guys and we're thinking about heading over there. Hey, um, we got some ladies that want to chip in some money to pay somebody to go take care of this person over here. I mean, it was amazing. As soon as the need was made known, the body went to work to take care of it. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. I think that's amazing. I think it's amazing to see all that happen. We carry each other's burdens. And, and, and sometimes, even through the more devastating seasons of life, we should be there, especially to lift each other up. And I remember, me personally, um, I, I'm sure we could just do stories for the rest of the time we got here today. Me personally, um, a few years back, when we were starting to get serious about purchasing this property as a church, um, it was actually the Sunday where I was going to announce uh, the, um, the potential of, of getting this property, and then we're going to go the next week and come view the property. So this was announcement Sunday. This was a huge Sunday. I had a meeting with the board uh, that morning before service just to make sure we really wanted to pull the trigger on this and, and all that stuff, and we were all in unity on this one last time. And I uh, invited a guy that I had been, you know, you got people that um, you, you try to mentor and pour into and you help them 
in their walk with God. And he was one of those people for me. And I was trying to get him consistent in church. And he was still getting his legs under himself spiritually. And uh, I called him up and said, hey, man, big Sunday tomorrow at church. You got to be there, man. I, you got to be there. I want you to be there for this. It's going to be huge. And uh, he said, yeah, pastor, I'll be there. You know what? It's been too long since I've been in church anyway. It's been a few weeks. I'll be there tomorrow. Said, awesome. I'll see you there. About 3.30 that morning, my phone started ringing. And his parents were reaching out to me. Answered the phone and found out that he had been killed in an accident later that, that evening. So, got up, got dressed, went to them, and just sat with them, and was just there. I mean, what do you do in a moment like that? There are no words, you know, you just, you're just there. You let them know that you're there, and that you love them, you pray for them. There's no magic words in a moment like that. I was there with him. It was very emotional. My heart was just ripped out because this is a guy that I had poured about two years into and was really starting to see some progress in. And, I mean, just like that, gone. It's gone. I remember I, I was with the family, and I told them, I said, look, I don't, look, you're my priority right now. I can get somebody else to do the service. I'm going to be with you. And they said, no, Pastor Josh, go do the service. So I said, okay. As soon as I'm done, I'm going to come back over here, though. And so I left and came into the, uh, the meeting room over at our place on Fairburn Road. The board was in there, and I was just financially or just emotionally devastated and uh, brought them up to speed on what had happened. And I began to, to pray to open up the board meeting and just pray for the family and the weight of the whole situation just crushed me. And I, I couldn't get a word out of my mouth. Very close friends of ours just lost their son. And he was uh, someone I was mentoring and pouring into. So there's a deep connection there. It's gone. And I couldn't even speak. And I remember without missing a beat, one of the board members just started praying. And took over the meeting because I couldn't. And they just, the whole board began to pray for me and lift me up. And after about 10 minutes of prayer, man, I felt, felt something kind of shift in my spirit. And I thought, you know what, I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to do this service, but I think I'm going to be able to now. And I was able to get up. See, y'all know all the stuff that happens all the time. I don't think that I would have been able to get up and, and share the vision that I shared that day about this facility and to see God do what he did in that service because people got saved that day. It was a powerful, powerful service for our church. But I don't think that would have happened if it hadn't been for the board member that spoke up and started carrying the burden with me and the rest of the board that was there to help me carry what I was carrying in that moment. You understand? I was carrying for that family, and they were carrying for me. And we were able to see God do something powerful in that service. And we're here today to the glory of God, but we're here because I think in key moments, we shared each other's burdens. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Some of y'all have benefited from that and seen the body of 
just rally around you at, at key times. I think it's special the way that God has got us connected to not just be people that come together, but to be a family where we can really say no one walks alone because it's how God designed us to operate and function as the church. He says, carry each other's burdens in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And I wondered what that actually meant. And this is one take on it. Go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We'll invite the guy with the loud muffler to come in too. John 13, verse 34, Jesus gives us some motivation for all of this. He says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Everyone say commandment. Okay, are commandments optional? No, they're not. So Jesus commands us to do what I'm about to say. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Everyone say love each other. And when you say love each other, we like to have a little bit of fudging room here to insert our own definition of what that is. But he qualifies that and gives us the definition, his definition, for how we're supposed to love one another. He says, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love one another. Think about how Jesus loves you. Think about what Jesus has done for you. That's how he says for us to love one another. That's crazy. That's crazy. Do you really think that in and of ourselves, we can love one another in that sacrificial way that Jesus loved us? When he loved us before the cross, before we were cleaned up, when he sacrificed for us before he was even an afterthought in our mind. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Your love for one another, oh my goodness, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I don't want you just to come together. I want you to be together. And I want you to love one another with the same love that I have loved you with. And this is what's going to be a defining factor. That the world is going to see how you treat one another. That the world is going to see how no one walks alone. The world is going to see how though different and quirky you can still come together in unity and a bond of peace. The world is going to see how you share the burdens of life with one another, how you rally around each other, how you love like I have loved, and this is going to prove to them that you're my disciples. This. Now, he could have said the signs and wonders he could have said the casting out of demons. He could have said how powerfully you preach, how beautifully you sing. He said, no, it's going to be in the practicality of how you love one another. Because the love that I want you to operate in is different than the love that the world can give. The world can be there in moments, but the world can't love the way that I love. The word that he uses in this passage of scripture is the word agape. 
It's agape. It's a love that's closely always connected to how God loves us. Agape, here's a good definition for it. Agape is unearned, pure, willful and sacrificial love that desires another's highest good. Something different about it. It's unearned, means it's freely given, it's pure, which means it's out of the right motive. And more importantly, out of the right source. It's willful and sacrificial love that desires another's highest good. It means it's, its motive is always the lifting up and benefit of those that receive it. It's a love that can only come from God himself. He says that the way they are going to know you're my disciples is because you are going to love one another for the same love that I've loved you. It means that that love that is inside of you, as you grow closer to me, you become more like me, and you begin to love people the way that I do. And an unearned, pure, willful, sacrificial love, always looking to benefit others. And as my love pours out of you to others, it's going to be so radical and so different that it's going to prove, prove, not, not how much you go to church, not how much you pray. Listen to the weight of this. How we love one another is one of the definitive marks that Jesus set on how people will know that we are his disciples. It's amazing. You know what's beautiful about that? That when it's done right, it just happens naturally. It just happens naturally. Because as I get closer to God, the more He changes me from the inside out, the more I can love others. Because I've got that love pouring into me, overflowing and pouring out to others. As a natural overflow of my relationship with Him, We really love Jesus and we're close to him, you'll be able to see it in how we treat one another. That's why we say we want to be a church where no one walks alone. Because the fruit that we associate that, we say, well, the fruit means we're there for each other. The fruit means that we're, you know, we're lifting each other up, that we are forgiving one another, that we're bearing with one another, that we're budgeting for our faults and failures, that we're there to encourage, that we're in each other's corners, that, that we are coming together to share the load. All of those things are the fruit of that love that should be inside of us. Isn't it nice to know that when Jesus was thinking of the church over 2,000 years ago, at Ecclesia, us, those that are in him, part of his body. Isn't it amazing to know that his heart was not just for us to get busy reaching the world, but his heart was to also make sure that we were watching each other's backs and there for one another. 
Who, who wouldn't want to be a part of a church where people genuinely love one another and watch each other's backs and we could actually say, here, nobody walks alone? And sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. No preferences, no opinions. Just what does the Bible say? How can we impact our community? How can we love one another and love those that are far from Jesus? I, I'm just telling you, sign me up. That's what Jesus had in mind. Bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Question for you. Are you going through a tough season right now? Are you walking through a storm in life? Are you feeling financial pressure? Are you, are you walking through a storm in relationships? Are you walking through a storm in your health right now? Are you in a situation where you need wisdom? You don't really know what to do or what the next step is. Are you going through a tough time in life? If that's you and I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me because I want to pray for you this morning. We're not going to drag it out, so here we go. One, two, three. Pastor Josh, I'm going, I see yours, I see yours, yours, I see yours, I see yours. Praise God. Everyone that just lifted up your eyes, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Everyone that lifted up your eyes, I want you to stand to your feet. I want everyone else to stand to our feet too. All right, so we got, we got a bunch of people that just stood up. I, wanna do, I want you to do something. I want you to come down to this altar area so I can pray for you. Why? Because no one walks alone. We're not just going to preach a message and not practice what we preach. Amen? So if you're going through some stuff and you're walking through a storm, listen, we want to pray with you because nobody walks alone. I want you to, to come up to this altar area, not trying to embarrass you or single you out. Man, this is what the body of Christ needs to look like. People that have needs, we rally around them and we lift them up in prayer. Amen? So we've got some wonderful ladies up here that need prayer. Let me get some prayer warriors to come stand behind these people and, and lift them up in prayer respectfully. Okay, don't cross any, any boundaries. You don't need to be crossing up here, but just lift them up in prayer. If you're not, if you're not comfortable with people touching you, let them know um, and they'll just pray from a distance. We've got two over here that needs someone to pray. Can we get two more over here? So we got one. We need one more. All right. Thank you, sir. We got it covered. Everyone's got someone praying for them. All right. Now, this is what I want you to do. All right. I want you to take a moment, and I want you to ask that person what they're up there needing prayer for. If you're comfortable telling that person, then tell them. All right. But if you're not, then just say, hey, you know what? It's just an unspoken kind of situation. And just pray for me in general. It'll be fine. Now, listen, say this again. Um, we're going to be praying. So this isn't counseling session time. All right, so we're going to pray. We're not going to spend 20 minutes blah and out what, what's going on with, with our lives, okay? Solution is where we're headed. We don't want to focus on the problem, okay? All right? So we're going to address the problem and focus on the solution, okay? I want to come by and I want to anoint all of you with oil, and we're going to pray this morning. Um, all, everybody else in, in the house, you, I know you're not up here right now, but that doesn't mean you can't be connected to what's happening, amen? So the band is going to lead us in a song of worship. I want to pray over you. We're going to pray for one another, and if you're in your seats, worship for a little bit and lift up these people that are up here this morning, amen? All right, let's do that.